0: Well, thank you uh, for joining us on the Freed Thinker. Uh, as always, I'm your host Tyler Vella. Today, I am joined by uh, a good a good friend of mine uh, and someone who I enormously respect. Uh, I love uh, the YouTube channel, uh, the content that that's put out there, and just uh, all around. Uh, a really really solid solid guy um and so i i appreciate that the world has embraced you eli uh that your channel has 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 grown <laughs> and is getting content out there i i, I know that you remember we, we had conversations a long time ago and i was like eli like you you take this opportunity for me i want you to i want you to go because you're so much better at it uh, and your content is is phenomenal and fantastic so
1: oh, i appreciate um, that man thank you so much
0: absolutely so eli uh, welcome to the show, uh, you know, for, for anyone living under a rock who doesn't know uh, who you are. I think we share a lot of the audience base. So most people watching will probably know who you are. Uh, sure. But tell us a little bit about yourself and uh, and your channel.
1: Yeah, my name is Eli Ayala. Uh, I am the founder of Revealed Apologetics, which is an apologetics YouTube channel in which I do uh, interviews and uh, teachings and got a couple of debates on there as well. Um, and I have a blog on revealedapologetics.com uh, where folks can read some of my answers to criticisms of presuppositional apologetics or just answering theological questions and things like that and i've got a podcast i have three kids a wife and i live in north carolina so that's uh everything about me
0: very nice very nice you're not you're not native to north carolina you are no
1: i was born and raised on long island new york i grew up in a little town called patchog which i really really love i'm looking forward to visiting family and going back up there. Um, but that's where I was born and raised uh, in a tiny little pe- uh, Spanish Pentecostal church, five minutes from every house I ever lived. So I I, I think we live we moved like four different times, I think when I was little, and they're all like five minutes apart. So nice little town, uh, but a lot of great memories there. So that's where I'm originally from.
0: Very nice. Well, welcome. Thank you. Thank you so much for joining. Uh, I, I, <clears throat> I contacted Eli pretty last minute. I was like, Hey, there's this video. That I want us to review, uh, and uh, and and so we're gonna we're gonna do that. It is uh, some some comments from two uh, atheists that are f- gonna be familiar to to some of you, um, and they are responding to uh, presuppositionalism. So I thought Eli is the man for this. Um, just uh, for those watching, uh, just don't forget tonight. Uh, I'm also doing a debate review, a very interesting one. Uh, it's gonna be on the review uh, of the debate between Chris. Uh, date and Will Duffy on uh, Open Theism. I had Chris Dana before, so I'm having Will Duffy. I'm having the Open Theist on. We're going to talk about that. Uh, it's going to be an interesting uh, interesting I discussion. Saw, I saw your
1: debate with Warren McGrew. Yeah. That was yeah. fun. You did an excellent job. I think you're a stellar debater, to be thank perfectly you. honest. So I'm always, I am always learn watching your uh, debates and your review. So thank you.
0: Thank you. I appreciate that. I appreciate that. So uh, for those of you watching now, come back uh, later on tonight. It's going to be 5 p.m. Uh, Pacific Standard Time, 8 p.m. Eastern. Um, but we are going to jump in and talk about this now. Before I bring this up, I am just going to give a couple of uh, d- uh, disclaimers um, for those that are that are watching it. Um, hi, Grady. Um, so uh, we are going to. I- I'm going to put it up. Uh, there are two two people uh, that are uh, well, one of them intentionally trying to dress and look like Jesus. Uh, so uh, for those with sensitivities, for you know. Second commandment violations and things like that. Just know that this is coming. There's also some language. Uh, We are doing this live, so I can't necessarily bleep everything out. Um, So, for those who normally watch this, I normally try to keep this uh, so your kids can be in the background. I always appreciate when I can listen to something while I'm cooking, my kids are in the living room or something. This one may not be that. Uh, There are a couple F bombs and and things that get dropped. So, just please be aware. Uh, Normally, I would edit them out, but not able to do it live. So, uh, with that, I'm going to bring that up. All right. Uh, so uh, the the guy on the left, uh, our, our, our left, I'm not actually sure if it mirrors when it posts live, but the guy on our left, uh, this one, uh, that's from Then This guy is, it's J Mike, he used to go by Jesus Mike. Um, I'm not sure if he looks like this in attempt to like cause a splash or that's just how he looks and then either they're like, oh, people are like, oh, you look like Jesus. And so he just started taking it. Uh, I have had many conversations with uh, with Mike on Discord channels um, he's a really nice guy actually uh but i i have not found him uh to to really um uh, be that um in incisive <laughs> against our view so uh with that uh, yeah, i i guy on, a left,
1: the guy on the left's got some pretty good hair though he i, I mean we, we would imagine jesus didn't look like that but if he's trying to capture the stereotype uh, yeah. He's, got, he's got like a nice <laughs> nice nice blowout it's a little
0: wavy he's got yeah he's got, yeah, yeah. Got some good, some good conditioner in there it's a, it's a nice, nice I mean they both actually look you know
1: look yeah. pretty good okay
0: um so I skipped the introduction this is actually going to be a part of the talk I, I think this was on talk heathen uh and Mike was a guest on it and they are taking a caller uh, gentleman named rain and he is going to ask about uh how to
1: respond to presuppositional apologetics if i could ask if i could ask a question real quick so, so how is this is this going to go we're just going to play it and then stop it at certain points or how are yeah i'm going to
0: play I'll, I'll stop at certain points if i have a comment if you want to say if you have a comment and you if something sparks just uh you know ch- sure. chime in and i'll pause it and we'll I, i'm going to okay. keep my, my mouse over the uh the play pause and we'll go from there mm-hmm. there's a lot of there's a lot of fodder for comment on this so okay well hi
2: there first of all I hope you guys are doing awesome do, doing great. I'm seeing Jesus. Jesus right now.
0: Very
3: blessed. Look, look, hell is frozen over. It's snowing where I'm at in, in Georgia, which doesn't happen. And I'm sitting next to Jesus. So this is it's it's all, it's awesome for me. So I'm, I'm happy. It's uh, nice and, and sunny
2: I'm, here I'm in, like, in uh Jerusalem. <laughs> <laughs> I see the it. and I was like, Oh my god, I'm looking at two fucking Jesus right now. This is the best thing ever. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you. Look good. I'm glad you guys are doing well. Um I don't know. So, Jay, Mike, I, I mean, I personally, I'm going to bring out the devil's name, but I've seen you debate Darth Dawkins a couple times, and those types of pre, presuppositionalists, and I, I listened to it a lot, and I just wonder to myself, like, what are points, what are, like, really good debating techniques and there's really good points that you can use to how to kind of break down this very strange argument? Because I'm very new to debating. I actually learned from watching you talk heathen, the um AG's experience and just kind of all of the above and was like, oh my gosh, I want to know how to think critically like this and get way better at this. Not just like in like I'm right, you're wrong type of thing. It's just I want to be prepared, especially in the world that we live in today. Mm. I just like I think people should know really good debating techniques and things that they can look up on their own time. I'm never to pen and pattern right now like
1: you can actually stop this? it right there. Yeah. Uh, yep. Tyler, I just want to make an important distinction here. A lot of folks from, say, like Talk Heathen and atheist experience, are very bent on trying to break the presuppositional script. So, so their they, their responses tend to kind of try to get a presuppositionalist off his script, um, and that's the focus. Uh, but even when they successfully do that, so if say say I'm in a debate and I have a script, uh, we all have a script. Basically, we all we all want to get to something, right? We the things that we say are going to try to get to a point that we want to make. Uh, But suppose you get a presuppositionalist off the script. You haven't succeeded in handling the presuppositional argument. So we need to make a distinction between the script that we use to um, get to the point we're making or get to the argument, want to make a distinction between that and the actual argument. So um, what we're hoping is that um, unbelievers who engage in presuppositional arguments uh, with our arguments, like transcendental argument, that they actually respond to the argument itself, not simply to throw someone off their quote unquote script, because in reality, we all have scripts. We all have little spiel's that we do, and I think those are those are necessary. But if we have merely scripts that have no content, uh, then obviously that that's an issue. I just wanted to throw that in there.
0: Yeah. Uh, well, I was actually going to pause about the end of the question too, because I think there's a couple of things that are that are interesting about the question that are actually good. Mm-hmm. Um, so without without he mentions Dart Dawkins, I'm not going to talk about Dart Dawkins specifically, uh, sure. and my comments aren't necessarily about Dart Dawkins, um, although he and I have had our disagreements um is th- that he he does he does mention I don't know if it's on purpose or otherwise but he says like that type of presuppositionalist mm-hmm. um and you know you, you've talked about this before I know I've talked about this before is that there are different kinds of presuppositionalists sure. um and and some of that is is purely methodological differences some of that is philosophical differences right so if you have a you know a, someone who's a who's a vantillian and someone who's a clarkian they're actually going to have different, actual different philosophical views on certain things. It's not just pure methodologies. Right. Um, and then the, you know, I, I'm glad you brought up the script because, and, and said, you know, there's nothing wrong with the script, right? Um, especially when, uh, you know, coming out of your context and your trait, you're trying to train people how to do this, mm-hmm. having a script initially, anyone, anyone who's been in sales before knows you start with a script to get comfortable with certain things. And the better you get at that, the more you can go off script because you're more comfortable with the basics, right? So there, there's there's nothing wrong actually with people having a script. And, and and I point out like if you watch William Lane Craig, he yeah. he is like not a one-trick pony, but he's a three-trick pony basically. He does the exact same thing every single time because methodologically it's effective.
1: Yeah. There's a there's a comment here. I don't know if you could see it but it says here, if, if the arguments were good, you wouldn't need a script that, that literally makes no sense whatsoever. Uh, some, you don't just interact with another person and then throw out your argument. There is context that needs to be set. That's why the presuppositionalist often brings up the issue of worldviews. We have different presuppositions. That's part of the script. Those are things that I want to, before I get into my argument, I want to discuss so that it creates a context for my argument to make, to make a little bit more sense. So this just yep. I mean if if arguments were good you wouldn't need a script is just uh, you know, no offense Ruben there but it's I think it's nonsensical. Well to be fair to Ruben uh, I, I know exactly what you mean. I think what
0: can come across as hearing a script is is this idea of uh when you think of a script, almost in almost in like a wooden sense, where it's like, okay, I have to say like this this exact sentence this way, and I have to and right. I have to say this, and if and if they don't if they don't answer exactly how I want them to, I'm just going right. to keep pushing them until I get the right. If that's, that's what he the means, then I, no I, I, yeah.
1: If that's what he means, then I, yeah, that that's fine. But if, if if we mean by script, like there are certain things we we generally say to get to a point. I mean, yeah, I have some preset things that I want to make sure I get out when I talk to an unbeliever. I don't just, I'm not a robot, you know. I don't just. Come up to someone and spit out an argument and you know i think context has to be made so um i'm kind of speaking against that if someone's against creating context and bringing up you know certain themes that we think are important in this sort of discussion uh, i don't think there's anything wrong with uh, a script in that sense but yes in the way that you've explained it there i think we need to be careful with that
0: yeah yeah, and, and I think one last thing and then diving in is that um, I, I think what we're gonna see, not I think, I've, I've, I've I watched this already. What we're going to see is really the engagement that they have is unfortunately with um, very superficial, uh, I, and I've seen people who say that their precepts do this. Mm-hmm, right, mm-hmm. so I wanna be very clear that what Mike and, uh, and Taki then and the and the caller are referring to they're not straw manning, they're not making something up. This type of engagement happens. Um, however, the problem is, is that you what you can't do is say because you have this type of engagement with a very superficial kind of uninformed, not very good pre engagement. Therefore, presuppositionalism is like this and bad, right, right, right. that 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 you can't make that type of connection for the same reason why I can't say, well, well every single atheist I talk to online, uh, you know, and, and actually I was talking to Ruben on Facebook, I, I think it's the same Ruben on Facebook prior to this, and I was like, you, I, I can't just say because every atheist I've ever talked to online, you know, just parrots memes uh, and thinks, oh, well, who made God is a good argument. Therefore, yes. you know, atheism, like of Graham Oppie and, and Massimo Pigliucci, right. these very heavy, hitty philosophers, are all also just false for the same reason.
1: They're very, they're very well thought out and, uh, articulate and intelligent atheist out there. Yes. We can't, we can't caricature their position. I agree. Yeah. Okay.
2: Good
3: going. Uh, so I, I guess I have a, a lot to say for, for me, um, one route that I don't, wouldn't want to spend too much time on cause it gets into like propositional logic and the entailment from like what their position is uh, which goes into like that. Everybody knows God exists, uh,
0: which he's going to get into that. <laughs> he's like, I'm not going to get into that. And then he gets into it. So, we'll see. Um, and so th- th- those are points that
3: I don't think pretty <clears throat> take seriously, even though it's actually a logical commitment that they have. Um, Mike
0: do, and okay. We'll talk about it when it comes up, but do we not take seriously our own claims that everybody knows that God exists according to, to Romans one? Do we not take that series?
1: Yes. That, that's actually part of the, that's, part of the point of the internal critique is we're internally critiquing to expose the um, vacuousness of unbelieving presuppositions and actually show that in secret, if we can use that. And I use this kind of in a generic way in secret they They actually have presuppositions that expose the image of God in them uh, that don't fit with their professed unbelief. So, so yeah, I think we take it. I think we take it very seriously.
0: Yeah. And, 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 and this goes to anyone, you know, if he's ever read Bonson, or Von Till or Oliphant, or Frame, or if he's, I mean, we could go on and on and on. Mm-hmm. Anderson, if, I mean, if he's, if he's read any of these types of things, like there are huge sections that deal with this exact issue. So mm-hmm. to say that they don't, we don't take it seriously or don't engage with that type of thing is kind of just like a big highlighter across the screen of, I haven't actually done my homework.
1: Mm-hmm. what now what is it that he what did he say he says that we don't take that seriously we, we don't it.
0: take that seriously the 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 claim that and he's gonna he's gonna try to hash this out later okay our claim that everybody knows that God exists and he's gonna try to give counter examples to that later um and he's gonna say well they don't take those counter examples they they don't take it seriously that that there are people who claim to not know God right he's gonna he's gonna and, and I'm like well you're just not familiar with the literature then we we yeah. it's dealt with repeatedly numerous mm-hmm. like in depth so uh, in fact, bon- Bonson's PhD was on self, self-deception uh, self yes. dealing with the exact, exact yeah. issue. So uh, anyways, right. uh, I can keep going.
3: Anything better yet uh, to say about it is uh, you have to point out first and foremost that it's um, it, it's literally a howling of begging the question. So, I mean, just to, to state that uh, you couldn't have intelligence.
1: The claim is going to be that you can okay it. you can see his, you can stand there <laughs> all right so um i, I want to well, yeah, so really fast I, before I, you comment do you want to
0: he's going to say what the claim is sure sure so go let, ahead let's let's hear what he says the claim is because i i, I think okay. as part of your answer you're going to want to respond if that even is what the claim is well well sure yeah go for it okay if and only if the christian god exists okay uh, you can only be intelligible if and only if the christian god exists okay is that the claim and is that begging the question
1: uh well the begging the question again the, it's one of the uh worst objections it's like the over i mean even dr anderson uh he says it's just <laughs> a canard that we need to you know put to bed uh, and this is not like a magical like oh my goodness i i'm begging i'm am begging the question uh one of the things that i look for when someone you know to, to see whether they understand presuppositionalism is when they say something like that. And it's usually those are the people that like on Facebook or something that I don't engage with that much because they haven't actually looked at the position seriously enough. And then I personally I don't have time to to teach that aspect and why it's not that in the way that they're whether they're saying it. But um, there is no fallacious begging the question or even circular argumentation uh, that a presuppositionalist engages in. Uh, one person told me once that they have never seen A presuppositional argument that did not argue in a circle. And I said to him, I've never seen a presuppositional argument in which we are arguing in a circle. Uh, There is no presuppositional argument in which God exists is in the first premise and also in the conclusion, right? The claim to circular argument is a feature of direct argumentation. An example of a direct argumentation would be something like a deductive argument. Uh, But typically uh, within Bonson and others, uh, the Transcendental argument, for example, is an indirect argument. Uh, so you can't say someone's arguing in a circle in any fallacious sense when someone is presenting an indirect argument. There are no premise. There's no premises in the argument which appear both in the premise and the conclusion. It's just not right. the case. We need to make a distinction between um, the presupposition of an argument and the premise of an argument. I can give you a deductive, non-fallacious, transcendental argument that doesn't... You know it doesn't question beg but right. that doesn't speak to the presuppositions of my argument so presuppositions of an argument and the premise of an argument need to be kept in mind there i don't know if you have anything to say to that
0: uh i i'm gonna i'm gonna i have comments on that but i'm gonna reserve it because he says something a little bit that i think what i would contribute to that is more relevant towards okay, so okay. I'm, gonna, I'm gonna hold my thoughts there all right uh, but is is the claim that you you can't be logically consistent unless the christian god exists
1: uh, you could be logically consistent in some ways, uh, but I, we would argue that unless God is at the back of your worldview, ultimately there's going to be an inconsistency somewhere. But I would, I would say that um, if I had an atheist teacher who's teaching me logic, I think I can come out of that class learning how to think and reason consistently to some degree. So I would make that differentiation.
0: Yeah, that's, I think that's an important distinction that has to be made, and is going to come is going to come uh, is going to be relevant in spades as this uh, continues on. Is that difference between someone can be <clears throat> kind of consistent at the at the application level, they can okay. use logic and be logical, but they cannot, from a naturalistic worldview, be ultimately rational yeah. because they don't have the foundations to ground that. So, so no one is saying that an atheist cannot logically deduce certain things. We're saying that they cannot logically deduce things in a way that's consistent with their own worldview that's a very those well, are two very different
1: things v- van till said that unbelievers can count they just can't account for counting and that those are that's a different different point there yep
3: um and when you're asked how you know that right it's from revelation through the text which would be circular revelation through the god which i don't know how you would know um And so it all comes down to me to say that the person who's invoking, like you you couldn't have any intelligibility of facts in the world without the Christian God, uh, they don't know any better to solve skeptical uh, what are called like, you know, problems with solipsism or real world skepticism. The mere fact that you have some revelation from a being uh, doesn't actually entail that you're, you have a revelation from said being, it could just be some being That wants to masquerade as the the Christian God and reveal the information.
1: You could stop right there. Just real quick to keep in mind, he says the unbeliever has no better answer to these problems, which assumes that he's admitting he has these problems and has no solution to them. I think that's going to be an important point to keep in mind. So when he's uh, criticizing any perspective, we need to ask the question what is he standing on? Is he standing on a worldview that cannot um, account for these critical philosophical issues? Because he can't. That's going to undermine his position. Even his, it's going to undermine even his criticisms of our position. Uh, just wanted to lay that out there.
0: Yep, that's exactly right. Uh, I got feedback that the the volume is a little bit lower than us. Uh, I'm going to try turning it up. really fast. Uh, well, someone in the comments, let me know if this got better. Okay, let's go.
3: Is Yahweh, and it wants the, the person to know every true proposition as actually being false. Right? It would have it in all of its power to do that. The basis here is that you are only using your, your phenomenal, uh, phenomenal states, right? Your mental states. You're not, you have to decipher that the revelation is actually coming from a deity. Right. Um, and so there's no like justification. It's just a belief, right? It's just, I have this belief and I believe it very, very strongly. There's no actually justification. Um, what would be successful, right. For the presuppositionalists to do.
0: Well, really fast, and, and and let me let me let me ask your, your view on this um, because this this is something that I that I do see coming. Up. I mean, that, that he's engaging with with a real way that people um, attempt to do presuppositional argumentation. Okay, so, so I don't want to say he's completely off pace. However, it in, in your understanding of, of of Van Til and Bonson and, and so forth, is the claim that uh, is the claim that, for example, the New Testament is the basis for for the laws of logic and rationality is that is that the thing that grounds no right so so so
1: so when we talk about grounding we're talking about metaphysics so if we identify the three pillars of every worldview metaphysics epistemology and ethics the fundamental metaphysical assumption that van till pointed out was the creator creature distinction so we we're saying that the triune God and his revelation. Notice notice what I just said, and his revelation. So both of those link me to a metaphysical grounding and an epistemological link to the all-knowing God who reveals. Um, so I wouldn't say it's the New Testament. Um, I would say the New Testament teaches the God upon which all of our metaphysics is, is based and He is the fundamental ultimate out of which everything derivational arises from and gives meaning and coherency to. Okay. Keep going.
3: Because in virtue of what they're saying, which is that you can't have intelligibility, uh, without the Christian God or intelligibility exists if and only if the Christian God exists, what they need to supply, right? Instead of going into channels and saying, um, present me your worldview and I'll show you why it doesn't work. You can kill all those views with one stone by delivering what's called a deductive a priori argument, right? So this would just be an argument where the premises are true. Uh, the structure is valid, and it concludes that God exists in the entailment of, of a contradiction, or to, to say the antithesis of that, um, which would be that God does not exist, couldn't be the case in virtue of that successful argument. But what you'll see with presuppositionalists is they don't offer you an argument, right? They just want to say, your TV's broken, right? Therefore, my TV works, which isn't yeah, even an can stop right
1: there. You can stop right there. Well, there are a couple of things here. Um, we don't need to give a deductive argument if we don't want to, unless he's arguing that only deductive arguments are ways that you could demonstrate something. Right. A transcendental argument can be put into a deductive form. But it doesn't have to be, right? A transcendental yeah. proof is still a legitimate sort of <laughs> proof unless he rejects transcendental proofs in general. the the presuppositionalist is not doing anything weird when we argue transcendentally. This is right. as well, someone says when presuppositionalists do this, I'm like, it's just, trans. It's, look at the history of philosophy. Transcendental arguments are a thing. We didn't make it up. We're just applying it within a Christian context, but it's the same in terms of what it's trying to do in terms of transcendental arguments in general. So unless he has a, an issue with transcendental arguments in general, I don't see why we'd have to submit to this idea that we have to give some deductive argument. I mean, we could, if we want to, you can put it in a deductive form, right? but, but you don't have to. Um, so I don't, I don't, I don't see why he he says it in the way that he does um also um we're not just making a bare assertion so the transcendental argument for the christian god is not the assertion that the christian god provides the necessary preconditions and the way that we demonstrate is simply to point out the fallacies within the other person's perspective that's part of it that's like the internal critique part of it but that's not what we're doing um when asked the question can a muslim use a transcendental argument Uh, Dr. James Anderson over there at at Reformed Theological Seminary said, sure, he can use it. Uh, The question is not who can use the transcendental argument, but which world you can actually pay the bills on the claim of being the only necessary transcendental foundation upon which intelligibility is grounded and things like that.
0: Yeah, I I think that uh, you're you're spot on. I I mean, in order for him to say what he said, he, he would have to say that transcendental argumentation is bad, which which would really entail that he has to think abduction is, is not a, is not a proper means, uh, of, right. uh, of, of inference, um, <clears throat> which would cause, I mean, he,
1: that's just unlivable. You couldn't do that. Right. It, right. Uh, in in, in the debate, in the debate between Jay Dyer and Matt Dillahunty, uh, Matt Dillahunty brought this up. He says, you can't prove your presuppositions and Jay Dyer correctly pointed out and he says, well, that's just to say that there can be no transcendental arguments. Right. because right. transcendental arguments seek to demonstrate one's presuppositions by its own transcendental necessity. So unless you have an issue with transcendental arguments in general, uh, there really is nothing to say here. I mean, this isn't something specific to presuppositionalism. Again, this is just yeah. transcendental reasoning.
0: Yeah. And, and uh, this is where I would, you know, I would also call uh, Mike onto the mat and say, you know, he's he says no one's ever given an argument. I know that I have. I mean, Mike, Mike, you know, I you know, talked a lot for, for years uh, on Discord. Um, and, uh, you know, and, and you know, this in my debate with, with Dilla Hunty uh, mm-hmm. leading up to that, I developed a deductive version of, of the argument, um, that, that so far ha- hasn't been, uh, to, to my knowledge, hasn't been, uh, hasn't been defeated. Um, I, I gave a deductive version and an abductive version and an, and a, a transcendental, you know, internal critique version. Um, and so for, for him to say like, they, they just, they just don't give argumentation, it's you know, I'm hard. not, I'm. Yeah. i'm not going to say he's lying maybe he just doesn't remember our conversations that's fine i don't. I, I don't expect everyone to remember every conversation they have or even remember that i exist um but it's it's simply it, it's simply false to say that no one has given that um and again shows because i'm not the only one that has done that mm-hmm. um you know and 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 i'm i'm a i'm a tiny i'm a, i'm you know nobody i my, my channel's you know <laughs> 600 subscribers this has been done in, in you know in world-class uh philosophers Mm -hmm. Uh, repeatedly. So again, it's just highlighting, you know, Mike might as well just be saying, I'm not familiar with literature on this.
1: Um, (laughs) Well, well, I I think there needs to be a distinction too, Tyler, uh, between proof and persuasion. Right. A a presuppositionalist can offer a legitimate proof. The fact that they're not persuaded by the proof doesn't mean you haven't provided a proof, and it doesn't mean that you haven't been successful in proving the thing that you're proving. Uh, For example, if I can just take a, a moment just to read the brief little point here. Um, Let's see here. In Greg Bonson's discussion with atheist George Smith, Dr. Bonson was asked how God explains anything, right? How's God an explanation? And so Bonson says, uh, and this is a quote, if I have a heavenly father who created the universe and controls every detail, even to the hairs in my head, and I say of this creative personality who has this sovereign might and plan that he sees to it that gravity holds day by day and day by day that does in fact explain it but it may not be the explanation that you want. I'm just talking now about what counts as an explanation. So someone says, well, you haven't given an explanation. Well, sure I have. You just don't like it. Well, you haven't given an argument. Sure I have. You just are not persuaded by it. But the issue is not persuasion. You have to actually respond to the specific argument itself and not complain when it's not an argument in deductive form the way you prefer it to be. Because tra- unless you have an issue with transcendental arguments, that what well, we can't do those, then you're going to have to deal with that form of, of argumentation. And if you're not familiar with that form of argumentation, then that person needs to take the responsibility into their own hands and read up on transcendental arguments and come up with a sufficient response to the line of argumentation that we're giving. That's right.
0: Uh, here, here's a comment again from, from Ruben, I think that's relevant to this, where he says, but but it, it is a bare assertion. Asserting that an unproven God is the foundation for logic
1: and reason doesn't make it true. Right. Yeah, yeah, that's true. Right. <laughs> I, I would agree that, that that's why that's why the, trans, the transcendental argument is not a simple assertion. It okay. is a transcendent. That's like saying any transcendental argument for the truth of some proposition is just an assertion. No, the way it's demonstrated is to show that in its denial, it has to be presupposed in its very denial. And how do you do that? Well, you do internal critique. You show that the unbeliever is making assertions that only make sense in our worldview perspective and not their own. And that, that is drawn out throughout the line of discussion and interaction between worldviews. That's why our apologetic places great emphasis on worldview analysis. So those very illustrations can be pointed out.
0: Yeah. And and here I'd also point out there there's a there's a there's a flawed epistemological assumption here in, in comments like Rupert uh, Matt Dillahunty does this, right? Mm-hmm. Um and, and, and that is this this assumption that in order for a conclusion uh of an argument for the existence of god to be true you have to have already proven that god exists as a viable candidate right so th- there's this there's this weird uh, kind of self-insulation of, of the of the naturalistic worldview here where it says well give me an argument for the existence of god we give a sound argument for the existence of god and they say okay but you can't you can't you can't use an argument to prove god because you haven't proven that god exists in this kind of other way to make god a candidate right you have to show that god exists before he can even be a candidate
1: for an explanation for this that already blurs the creator creature distinction that's right and that already a blur that already implicitly implies the falsity of the christian worldview from the very get-go because my my worldview claims that all men know that god exists you don't have to agree with that but to say that i don't know that god exists is not a neutral position it is to claim that the christian god of which i believe in doesn't exist namely the sort of god that says you know he exists doesn't exist so that this is another important point in that both worldview perspectives have to a certain extent a burden of proof in the debate it's not just you simply you know sit back and ask the christian to give not that kind of argument you can't give transcendental ones it has to be this deductive argument and it has to be based upon standards that you know that i say namely where's the you know some people say where's the physical evidence for this god right you know uh, those sorts of things
0: Yeah, yeah, and here and here I think you know you can give you can give a parallel of this and say okay, well you know prove to me that natural explanation is the best explanation for speciation, right? And they could they give argument evidence, and I say okay, but you haven't you haven't actually proven to me that natural natural selection exists on independent grounds outside of your argument to even make it a viable candidate for an explanation within the argument that you're actually giving to prove natural explanation. Like it's this, it's this weird type of dialectic that thinks before you can use arguments and evidence to prove something, you have to have already proven that thing exists and is true before you can plug it into your argument as a viable explanation. It, it, it just, it continually pushes the explanatory because then any independent evidence to to prove that god or natural selection or whatever the the analogy is in that in that independent reason i could say the same thing i could say okay but you haven't proven it on that independent level because you still want to prove it as as an explanation for the data and that but you haven't independently proved it right you could do that forever it's a it's a way to self-insulate from the impact of an argument um it's and it's just it's not a valid dialectic against an argument for something sure i agree all right, let's keep on trying.
3: Um So I, I go long go winded there, but 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 the fact that my, if you came over and we drive to my house, right, and you're saying my worldview's broken, right, I'm doing this, like, we drove to my house and you said my TV doesn't work. And I'm like, okay, let's go to your house, because you, you're telling me that you got, like, uh, this big package of, you know, sports package on your TV or whatever it is, right? Like, you have all the channels, and I drive to your. But you won't even let me get in the car to drive to your house to see if your tv works because you don't want to actually defend it or provide the argument
1: you can stop right um, there that that's the complete opposite so, so right. this is the whole thing right so if we use the two-step approach that is laid out in proverbs 26 right where Bonton points out and he you know in proverbs 26 answer not the fool according to his folly lest you be a fool like unto him answer the fool according to his folly lest he be wise in his own deceit so we don't We don't um, share the faulty presuppositions of the unbeliever, right? But then we hypothetically grant the presuppositions of the unbeliever to show the foolishness. And we invite the unbeliever to do the same thing. So, this idea that we don't want to defend, we do want to defend. The point of the presuppositionalist really is to demonstrate that everyone's a presuppositionalist. (laughs) Everyone has their foundation and tries their best to argue in a way that's consistent with that foundation. And we invite not just you know we're not just trying to uh, internally critique the unbeliever we invite the unbeliever and, and this is interesting we don't normally get this far in the debates right we don't you're too busy arguing about well just proving my worldview doesn't prove anything what about yours okay so then do what i just did to you jump into my worldview and show that given the presuppositions of the christian worldview it collapses on itself that we invite that. So I don't know. I mean, maybe he has a specific person in mind that doesn't want to do that. But that's that's what Bonson said. That's what Van Til said. I mean, frame every presupposition is welcomes internal critique. Okay. And for Christian, at that point, the, the secret to surviving an internal critique is knowing your Christian theology and your Christian philosophy and how your worldview coheres with itself. Um, that's part of it. So I, I'm not sure what he's referring to. Um, yeah, we'll say, let's get in the car. I want to show you my TV here, yeah. but you have to come into my house to see the TV. You need to jump yeah. into my worldview so that we can, uh, we can do the internal critique both ways. We'd walk yeah. You
0: have to do a problem. valid internal critique. You can't bring, you can't bring exterior assumptions to the worldview or to, to, to the critique, uh, and yeah. try to work it that way because that would be an invalid internal critique where you're using external right. assumptions. And
1: you'll see this later on in this very video. Yeah, that's right, right.
0: that's right. Um, so yeah, I, I, and and this is where, again, I I, I just wanna point out to, to those watching who may be sympathetic to Mike and say, again, it's not that Mike is wrong. I've seen these conversations happen. Right. The problem is saying that this is how you respond to presuppositionalism uh, as a viewpoint, because there are, there are, if you actually read literature on it, the type of engagements that he's experiencing there really are people who just sit there ad nauseum and say, yeah, but how do you know? How do you know? How do you know? Impossible to the contrary, fair. impossible to the contrary. Yeah. That does happen. Right. right? So, so you know, he's probably, he's, he's probably fair to have some gray hairs or rip some hair out from those engagements. That's fair. <laughs> but what's not fair is to say that this therefore represents what presuppositionalism is in the literature. Right.
1: Right. Now, my, uh, friend, uh, Jonathan Pritchard of, uh, Pritchett of, um, Trinity, Trinidad. 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 He um, he's very sympathetic to presuppositionalism. I'm not sure if you know this, um, mm-hmm. but he's, he makes he always tells people to make the important distinction between presuppositionalism and presuppositionalists. That's right. There might be presuppositionalists that argue a certain way, but that's not the same as saying that this is an essential feature of presuppositionalism <laughs> as a methodology.
0: Yeah, and that's true of every methodology. I mean, there 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 are really bad classicalists. There are really bad evidentialists. There, I mean that there are they're are really bad atheists there i mean anyone arguing for your view there are just really bad examples of it um and, and you can't hold that against the view
1: sure
3: yeah so so the problem that it is is it won't matter right like you don't have to you, nobody has to die on a hill for a presuppositionalist you could take any view you want right you could just say like I'm not, I'm a naturalist. I'm not a naturalist. I'm an idealist. I'm a physicalist. You take whatever position, and just say you're you've already contradicted yourself. That doesn't substantiate the claim that they're making that you can only have intelligibility if the Christian does. That's correct. With all of its work.
1: Yep, that's absolutely right. That's correct. Right, and no no presupposition is worth their salt. That's the key that's qualification. Correct. Worth their salt, right? <laughs> uh, would would disagree with that? Yeah,
0: yeah. And really fast, I, I I feel kind of compelled to say this uh, because the. I don't know if you've gotten this response from people, but I get this response, and it's not just on presupposition. I get this when we talk about biblical theology or theology or the Bible mm-hmm. or something like that, and I'm like, "Hey, like, the, there's really good academic literature on this," and people are like, "Oh, well, are you saying I have to have a PhD to understand your view?" And you know, there, there's almost this like aversion to study, and I want to be like, "Well, no, but if you want to speak intelligently and intelligibly about
1: something, then you should probably actually understand it." so yeah, you don't you, need a phd but i mean if you're if you're going to go in depth i mean you don't need to go in depth there are certain there are definitely simple ways to kind of address something and have an understanding yeah. But if you're going to go in depth and really deal with something it would help that you were familiar familiarize yourself with some of the literature and things like that yeah
0: yeah and it's the same type of thing when we're doing with biblical studies and people are you know they deal with you know the K, kjv only and they interpret something and you say okay but you know i I hold a different view because in the Greek you do this kind of thing and they say, Oh, are you saying you have to be a Greek scholar to understand the text? And I'm like, well, no, perspicuity, you can get the general message. But if you're gonna talk yeah. about minute, you know, minute exegetical details of a of a passage, then it helps. You can't just, you know, shake your fist at the exegetes and say, Well, I don't want to do that, and therefore my view is better, right? That's just not how it works. Or
2: mm-hmm.
3: ahead of it. So if you say something like it's impossible to the contrary, then supply the argument that makes the contrary impossible. Right? don't just merely state it right what if i just said i went I, I i smoked a joint right and uh and uh, naturalism revealed itself to me that it's true it's the same <laughs>
1: you, you, that was awesome um okay so uh he is correct you cannot simply say that the, it's the impossibility of the contrary and then you stop right there right um, so uh, one of the ways that we that we demonstrate that Christianity is true by the impossibility of the contrary is to show that given the presuppositions of Christianity, it actually uh, it actually uh, accounts for all the necessary transcendental categories. Now, if you can do that, you explain, given revelation, given the nature of God, and that we could have a grounding for knowledge, these sorts of things, if you kind of go through that and show that the Christian worldview can provide that, then it follows that it's the only worldview that can do it because you could only have one transcendental. Transcendentals are necessary preconditions. So if there right. are two necessary preconditions that contradict one another, then they're defini- definitionally not necessary. There would have to be some preconditions that the back of both of them to explain their relationship. If there are two necessary preconditions that are one and the same, then you're, then you're just talking about linguistic variation, you're talking about the same worldview right. there. You could only have one. So if we show that, given the Christian presuppositions, we knowledge is accounted for, then that's it. You could only have one worldview that can sufficiently do that. Now, if the unbeliever disagrees, then he's going to have to challenge those points by doing an internal critique. No, 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 no. Christianity doesn't provide the foundation for knowledge because look, you know, God sends a deceiving spirit. How does that, you know, how do you function that into your into your equation? You have to interact with the worldview. You can't just sit back and disagree. With the Christian, when he actually explains theologically that given the presuppositions of Christianity, logic is accounted for, knowledge is accounted for, intelligible experience is accounted for, you have to interact with the worldview.
0: Yeah, and the, the, you know the example that I normally give is, uh, you know, imagine the sidewalk is wet, right? If someone comes along and says, "Oh, well, you know, there's the impossibility, of the contrary of uh, of it raining." Well, that's just false because it, that's not the necessary precondition for the sidewalk being wet. it could be a hose, it could be someone had a water balloon fight. there could be there could be all these kinds of things. So there's not an impossibility of the contrary, right But if someone to your point can show that their worldview does provide the necessary precondition for rationality, the only way to your point to defeat that is to jump in that worldview to yes, show sure. that it's not a necessary precondition that there are these other possible preconditions. Now this is where I actually break from some presuppositionalists. I think that that I think that we can do that I think we're there. But methodologically, I I actually am very comfortable saying fine. Let's not let let us get away from this whole necessary precondition. Let's go with what's the, what what we have the highest warrant for. What's more probable, right? Because even at that level, even methodologically, again, I, I philosophically agree with you that it, you know it's the necessary sure. precondition of rationality, right? But just methodologically, I'm saying okay, well, fine. I, I don't need to go whole hog. I, I in a debate, I don't need to bite the bullet and go all the way for necessity i can go because for 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 me in a a debate to to win the debate all i have to show is that the 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 position is more probable than the negation right so if i can actually make an abductive argument that that god is not necessarily a necessary precondition but is the most plausible and rationally defensible precondition for rationality i still win the debate um and so uh, and so i'm i'm very comfortable going back and forth between those two things and that's why i've developed uh, not only the deduct- deductive argument for for uh, for God as the necessary precondition, but also just an abductive, it's the most plausible explanation that God is the foundation. And any alternative one that you propose, we can do an intro or critique on and has all kinds of issues. But it, it doesn't necessarily avoid the, well, There maybe there's this unknown explanation. Okay, mm-hmm. maybe there's an unknown explanation that could dethrone God from the precondition. But until I have an argument or reason to think that's the case, i'm entirely warranted to think that the best explanation we have is god so so even if i grant that condition from them we still win the debate um and and we can treat it just like the you know i i usually point out the moral argument is actually a transcendental argument um Mm -hmm. where where god and and you know william lane craig gives a deductive argument but he points out look all i need is that God is the best possible explanation for the objective uh, moral values and duties that we experience in, in creation. I don't need to show that he's necessary, but if he's the best, my argument still goes through and I still win the debate.
1: Well, if if it's true that the Christian worldview is in fact the only worldview that can provide the necessary preconditions, then, then what you've just said is an entailment of that. If it's the only one, then it is also the only worldview that can ground the intelligibility of a probabilistic argument. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so you can just use that as kind of a pragmatic application, like, all right, maybe if I don't, maybe I'm too tired and I don't want to explain the necessity of it. I'll just, I'll just roll with you. Hypothetically. Yeah, we, yeah. we, we can, we still have a grounding for that.
0: Yeah. And, and, and again, just that's a methodological difference, right? Again, mm-hmm. on the, on the back end, I still agree that God is the necessary precondition there's an impossibility contrary, but just kind of, you know, tactically in a debate, mm-hmm. I'm, I'm still, I, I think I'm more comfortable than some presuppositionalists. In uh, going for more of an abductive version of it, and that's fine because I still think that it wins the debate. Because in order to overcome that one, they would have to actually provide a better explanation. So I don't need to do—I don't need to defend the impossible or contrary. I need to just simply defend uh, against alternatives. Which so far, you know, in, in my debate with T. Jump, he tries to do the flying spaghetti monster, and I and I generally point out the only way the flying spaghetti monster works as an alternative. Is basically if you make all these ad hoc conceptual alterations to what a flying spaghetti right, yeah. monster is until he's indistinguishable from what we mean by God, anyways.
1: Yeah, I thought so, you, you did excellent in right. that debate. If people who are watching this who haven't watched that debate, I uh in my honest opinion, I think you wipe the floor with him. That I mean he just doesn't get Christian theology. So he yeah. and he doesn't get the nature of God, so he thinks he can kind of just Put these substitutes and thinks that it, it again his entire counter argument is a blurring of the creator creature distinction he thinks that the that god is just as one thing that's on the same level of all these other things and all these other other hypothetical examples and, and uh i think he did an excellent job in that discussion so Thanks. i highly recommend it thank
0: you Be- and before we go on i want to go on another uh Ruben puts another comment there's the, there's kind of a debate happening in the comments but he he says something okay. which which i think is interesting because one of the things that I, that, and I know you've seen this and we, you know, I, kind of every presuppositionalist worth their salt that, that I studied these sees this when we start pressing the, the unbeliever, especially the atheist and the naturalist mm-hmm. on these types of things. Sometimes the recourse is to do this, <laughs> uh, logic is not necessary. Um,
1: um, okay.
0: Which is basically to, to give up the ar- it's to basically concede the argument, right? It, it's to concede that my worldview, can't actually ground logic and it gets in this interesting realm of well logic is not necessary well you can only say that if logic is necessary because otherwise Mm -hmm. you'd have to say that it just is the case that logic can be necessary and not necessary because contradictions aren't necessarily false
1: yeah so so there's another person in the comments here so in response to ruben says so then it is necessary which he's just kind of um he's purposefully contradicting what ruben is saying and if ruben has a problem with the contradiction then why does he have the, the problem since it's not necessary unless you know yeah. unless, it's a kind of an attempted at reductio but um i don't yep. think it's uh i don't think he's captured that yet but i haven't been looking through the comments so
0: i haven't watched the entire debate i just saw that stand out and i and, I, and i've you know dill had did this in our debate uh you know and there, there's almost a sense of when they get cornered the the rationalists the brights the the you know the logical atheists will jettison logic
1: right uh, so if you if you are going to say that logic is not necessary then you know you know put your pants on and act consistently according to that principle if you want to believe as many true things and disbelieve as many false things then how the heck do you do that when there are no objective logical standards to use how how is that done i don't I, i'm i'm confused yeah right if logic isn't necessary and logic is i mean truth must have logic connected to it otherwise I mean, it's going to be illogical right so it's not necessary um, how, on the one hand, can you talk out of one side of your mouth saying "I want the truth," yet the rules of logic, which help us get to the truth and employ uh, employ valid reasoning, you say it's not necessary? Then how does that work? How do you walk that fine line? I don't see. I don't see how it's possible. Yeah. All right, let's keep going.
3: Same exact thing, right? So <laughs>
1: yeah.
3: that's my that's my soapbox, but there's a lot of angles. I mean,
2: fantastic. Honestly, like that that was. Great. It's just like, and the other thing too is like I hear a lot of what I've heard a lot of them say is I have gotten revelation through God's creation. It's like, well, wouldn't you need a God to reveal itself to reveal that it created itself or reveal its creation through its creation by revealing itself? Like, wouldn't you need something to prove to people or show to people to think like, hey, God revealed himself through creation, here's a God that I'm talking about that revealed himself through this.
3: Well yeah, and, well, and revelation true. is necessarily
2: first person too, right? So I don't know how that has motivational force to anybody else that you
3: had a revelation, right? How that, does that help me does that help me? Yeah.
0: But by the way, no, no bases it on private revelation. Right. So
1: it's public revelation, according to the again, internal critique. Right. If the Christian worldview is true, then revelation is both private and public. It's internal to everyone. Everyone has a knowledge of God, right? There's innate knowledge of God in the Imago Dei. Right. And there's public knowledge that the heavens declare the glory of God. So it's not, you know, we don't fall into the trap of, say, the Mormons in which they get the burning in the bosom and it's kind of this subjective personalized thing yeah uh
0: so we you know i i, I want to keep this under an hour we're getting close i want to try to find the section where he talks about uh if if they actually know And he talks about roman's one was was there another another section do you remember that you wanted to address specifically
1: um who i'm trying to remember i i listened to it real quick before we went live um and after talking with you now for the past fifty minutes, I don't remember if I if I remember. Oh, it was the internal. They they were doing an external critique on the Christian worldview when they brought up the issue of how do we know God's not deceiving us? You know, maybe He's just being a big jerk or something like that. Oh yeah. Uh, and again, that's just um, that's an external critique, right? So if God can deceive us, then you're you're no longer critiquing the Christian God because according to the Christian worldview, it's impossible for that to happen. Right. Um so i would like to read something though I, I don't know if you're familiar with steve hayes are you familiar with steve yes, hayes i am familiar with steve hayes. well i remember a long time ago i asked him about this question about the deceiving god uh objection um and i have a kind of just a tiny little portion here maybe i can read it uh for folks sure i think it's important to keep in mind so so when i asked about the deceiving god let me see if i can get my question here so he says. Uh, so I say. I know the presuppositional response to Descartes' evil demon paradox, but the above example. Let me see. Do, 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 do. Okay. So the question was about God sending this deceiving spirits. So so Steve says. Steve's passed away. By the way, for folks who are familiar with Steve Hayes, he passed away a little while ago. I don't know when it was. Maybe a couple of years ago. Um, and he was. Uh, he had some good stuff on the. What is it? The blog or something like yeah. that. Triblog. Yeah. Um, but but he wrote me. He said. Uh, we can't extrapolate from examples of God deceiving the wicked in scripture because they carry no presumption that God deceives humans in general. Those passages are confined to a subset of humans and not a random sample, but humans who are punished for impiety. So not every human being meets the necessary condition. As such, scripture provides no justification for belief in universal divine deception." And i think he's got it i mean when i say that it's impossible for the christian god to lie and someone says well well what if the christian god sent a deceiving spirit that still doesn't work because deceiving spirits are sent within a particular context that's given to us in revelation so um so anytime someone says how do you know god isn't deceiving you is already engaging in an external critique and is engaging in a criticism of a god that we don't hold to so i just wanted to throw that out there
0: yep yeah. It's like, it's like asking the question, well, you know, how do you, how do you know that God doesn't desire, you know, genocide and and, and murder? Well, because that just would be a different God than what, what, what we're actually yes. talking about. You've you, you just, you've just changed the concept of the God that we're talking about. Right. Yep. All right. So let me see if I can find this. Uh, I may have to skip around for a minute. Right, through special revelation or through the Bible, right? Like
3: it doesn't leave, it's it still can follow that some things is just fucking with us. It's just like, I just feel like messing Sorry. with you
0: today. Yeah. And that's, this, to is, this is I'm the deceiving masquerade. God. Yeah. i right.
3: like, Anybody could use any any set of experiences and attribute that to this aspect of they cite Romans one twenty, which here is like it. that no man is.
0: Let's let's start right about. Right yeah, about I, here. I,
3: I will. There's this aspect of they cite Romans one twenty, which is like that no man is without without excuse, right? It's instilled within our hearts. Romans two fifteen about like the moral code, right? And they use these types of things to like say that you do know, right? You suppress it, but like if it's the case yeah. that we're, so this is the way I look at it. If you
1: and this is um, you could stop right there. Uh, uh, again, there's there's already issues here so again he says well they quote romans 120. well let's be honest the unbeliever quotes his bible too his bible just doesn't have romans 120. his bible might be we need to provide deductive arguments that's a rule we have to follow we need to use reason you're quoting the scriptures so to speak of your ultimate foundation so we're not doing anything different than you are you just for obvious reasons you're not a christian you disagree with our presuppositional uh, ultimate standard you have your own. We're all quoting our sacred scriptures in a sense, right? Um, yep. So it's not, you know, the caller said this is ridiculous. Uh, sure. Okay. It's ridiculous to stipulate, you know, <laughs> your, your, the, the presupposed standards that you bring to the debate. I mean, how, how is that silly? Just say I disagree. It's not silly. Just say you disagree with the presupposition. Here's why. We're not doing anything odd. There's nothing weird about a Christian presuppositionalist stipulating Romans chapter one, verse 20. That's part of our worldview. Obviously, right. if I'm defending the biblical worldview, I'm going to use the Bible, <laughs> right? So I don't see the, the problem here. In like fashion, people need to remember that everyone is quoting their Bible, their ultimate commitments.
3: Idea or anything like that, but there's some really smart people out now passing people out there that, that have some um, really good ideas.
1: By the
0: way, Alex Malpass doesn't say any of the things that he's about to say. <laughs> Right, I, 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 Alex Malpass's engagement, like with Anderson and stuff, is actually. I, I would actually love it to have you back on to to discuss that that interaction between Malpass and Anderson. I thought it was very very interesting. I like I like Malpass. Yeah, Malpass is Malpass is a great guy. He's very yeah. very very smart. Great great philosopher. He takes these things seriously. Right. He doesn't make these types of dismissive arguments that Mike's about to make. Right. So so when when he name drops Malpass, what follows is not Malpass's arguments. So just for people to be aware. Okay. On
3: and. For me it's like if you told me like you had a, if you had a, a refrigerator and then everybody in the world knew that refrigerator existed or something if i, if I go around the street and i ask them okay like, hey, you know that uh, this refrigerator exists and they
1: say no is like, this I refrigerator i can't i'm sorry is this refrigerator the necessary precondition for intelligibility see again you have the blurring of the creator creature distinction he is treating god as another fact of the universe like the existence of a material refrigerator uh, this refer the difference between the God of the Bible and a refrigerator is that the God of the Bible is the creator of all things and is the ground for intelligible intelligible experience. The refrigerator is not. So that's again an important distinction. Yeah, and I and I, I, I think, think interrupt anymore.
0: no, no, I'm I'm going to push him through because I I, I think he's also making equivic. Uh, there's an equivocal fallacy in in here right. that we'll, we'll talk about
3: exists, right? You the entailment was that everybody knows it exists. So if I find an example of somebody, the logical contract or the logical entailment is that, that thing doesn't exist because it was defined as everybody knowing it. And so we find one example, we've literally just contradicted the view. It can't be true. So when you say God, everybody knows God exists. And I just say I don't know. Right. And then they go, Well how do you well how do you defend that you don't know it? Well I take knowledge to be justified true belief. I don't even have a belief in the proposition which is like the most crucial part of it. even if we disagree on our, our definition of knowledge, belief's gonna be really crucial, right? And I don't even be-
0: Okay. So here, here's the issue. <clears throat> right he wants to say okay well definitionally in the in the christian worldview uh, and i think this is this is fair right definitionally uh part of that worldview is that god exists and everybody knows that god exists right? Mm-hmm. because romans one says that god has made known to all and they're all without excuse right so so if that's false then the christian claim is false right so far fair sort of i mean getting aside the whole like trying to include god as a, as a feature of creation but in principle, the objection seems, it seems fair, right? If I, if I can show some contradiction is actually true, mm-hmm. then that's a potential defeater for the view. Get it. The problem is, is that he works on this equivocation. He seems to think that when Romans one says that, 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 that all know and are without excuse, they suppress truth and righteous, all that kind of stuff, that, that knowledge, that means the same type of thing as I know that I'm holding a water bottle. I have warranted true belief. Right, right. No presuppositionalist says that the unbeliever knows that God exists in that sense. Right, right. So for him to say that this somehow proves the existence of God, because I don't have warranted true belief that God exists, and the presuppositionalist says that I know I exist in the meme, hidden premise, that the presuppositionalist is claiming that I have warranted true belief that God exists. Therefore, there's a contradiction. Right.
1: So the, the think, think about what he's saying, too. This is how you refute the transcendental argument, the presuppositional argument. When the unbeliever says, <clears throat> you know that God exists, you say, I don't know that he exists. That's it. It's refuted. Definitely. Sorry, that's not how it goes. I mean, the yeah. very superficial understanding of of what we're arguing.
0: Yeah. And, and so, Eli, on the record, again, I, I know we've all said this a million times it's on there but just so people have it they can time time market is the presuppositionalist saying that all people know that god exists in the uh in the uh, you know um conscious warranted true belief sense that i know that i have the belief that i'm holding my water bottle No, there is that's what what we mean
1: mean? there is a difference yeah okay and again all of this is rooted all of this is rooted in the blurring of the creator creature distinction and uh and some issues relating to epistemology but again those are the fundamental key flaws here good
0: okay so from here they just kind of uh meander after this so i'm gonna okay. i'm gonna exit out of that um thank you so much for for coming in and joining I, I i appreciate you so much no, it's a pleasure um, man.
1: it's always a pleasure to to join you you're awesome and i love your content so
0: Thank you. Thank you very much. So uh, for those, again, uh, you, you know, that we gave your bio at the beginning, I put your link in the show notes, but where where can people find uh, where can people find your work, your show, your blog, uh, you know, give out your give out your
1: deets. Yeah, well, people can subscribe to Revealed Apologetics on YouTube. Um, and that really helps when people subscribe and they like the videos and share it. That definitely helps. Um, they can check out my blog at revealed uh if they're interested in taking a course that's in a more structured way to learn pre apologetics, they can sign up for my online course on my website um, entitled uh, it's revealed apologetics and there's a drop down menu um, pre sup you pre university and you could uh, there's a, a course where people can sign up. It's a five week course comes with outlines notes, PowerPoint slides and video lectures. Um, and that's a great way to support the ministry as well. So um, people can find me through there.
0: Awesome. All right, Eli, thank you so much uh, for joining. Uh, appreciate you. And uh, and we'll talk again soon.
1: All right. God bless. Thanks. God bless.
0: All right. Thank you all for, for joining. Hope you found this uh, beneficial and and a blessing. Uh, again, stay tuned. Uh, Five o'clock today, Pacific Standard Time, eight o'clock Eastern Time. Uh, come back and join as I uh, discuss with Will Duffy, his debate with Chris Date on open theism. Thank you again for joining and we'll see you again very